Hello and welcome to the Friday, April 16th, 2021 edition of On Iowa Politics. This week, multiple choice candidate, Pate Patter, and WOT, the war on meat. That doesn't make any sense. Hi, I'm James Lynch of the Cedar Rapids Gazette. With me today are Tom Barton of the Quad City Times. Good morning, Tom. Good morning, James. Aaron Murphy, Lee Newspaper State House Bureau Chief. Good morning, Aaron. Good morning, James. <laughs> and Gazette Opinion Editor Todd Dorman. Good morning, Todd. Good morning. Amy Rivers is covering the funeral for the Iowa State Trooper Jim Smith, who was killed in the line of duty. So I guess we'll have to carry on Amy Leslie today. You can find us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics wherever you find your podcast. First up, multiple choice candidacy. U.S. Representative Cindy Axney made news this week when the Storm Lake Times reported that she would take a minute to explore her options for the 2022 election. Axney told the Times she would consider challenging Senator Chuck Grassley, Governor Kim Reynolds, and running for re-election in that order. This doesn't come as a huge surprise because there's been much speculation on who will challenge the Republican incumbents, and Axney's name often comes up, uh, primarily because she's the only Democrat in the Iowa congressional delegation. And I guess other than the statewide elected officials like Tom Miller and Mike Fitzgerald, she's the highest Democratic elected official. Um, but she says she hasn't made any decisions by 2022. Her congressional staff pushed back on the Times story saying that the reporter confused actually making a list as news about her preferences. Instead, all three options are, the tab- are on the table. Um, Aaron is a lone member of this podcast team who lives in the third district. Uh, what should we make of uh, this story? Well, I, I think you kind of hit it on the head. It's not terribly surprising. It, it just is finally confirmation from Cindy Axner herself of what we've kind of suspected for a long time, that um, she's at least considering uh, something other than the third district and that any Iowa Democrat who's, you know, in a position to think about 2022 as a choice to make with two big races um, that are up uh, with the uh, uh, challenging Governor Kim Reynolds or uh, Chuck Grassley. So so this kind of fits into everything we've been a number of months uh, here. And, and like I said, it, it not, now it's officially come from uh, Cindy Axney herself. Um, and, and, and it is an interesting decision for any potential candidate. Uh, to make, and then especially Ashley, because she also has a current job, so we'd have to decide, you know, do I want to challenge Chuck Grassley? Is is he finally beatable after decades of um, elections, or or am I a better fit for to run for state office and, and challenge Governor Reynolds? That that's kind of the the, the calculus, the decision. Uh, there's probably a handful, if not a few more. Of, Democrats out there working through Rob Sands and other, we kind of assume uh, said anything like decision-making like J.D. Shulton. Tom, uh, Emily's list, um, which said it's um, putting Chuck Grassley on notice in 2022, um, also said it's uh, targeting Governor Kim Reynolds. Um, would that be a better race for Axney um, than challenging Senator for Life Grassley? Um, maybe Reynolds is probably more vulnerable over her handling of the pandemic, which has given her detractors plenty to find fault with, uh, and the Emily's list backing gives Axney access to 
national donors to help her fundraise attack ads, criticizing Reynolds for not being up to the job of protecting Iowans from the coronavirus, uh, as well as attacking Reynolds over her support for an amendment stating that the Iowa Constitution doesn't grant the right to an abortion and signing a bill into law that required women to wait 24 hours and view an ultrasound before receiving abortion. But while that messaging plays well in Polk County and Iowa's larger counties, I'm not sure how well that message will go over with rural voters in a, a statewide race. Yeah, and I guess it raises the question, would it make sense for Axne to walk away from a seat she's won twice, largely by carrying Polk County uh, with little support elsewhere in that third district to challenge a, a an incumbent in a statewide race where there are, oh, you know, 88 rural counties. Yeah. Given the drumming that Democrats have witnessed in the state over the last several years and losing seats in both the Iowa House and in Congress, I'm not sure it does make sense for Axony, now the lone Democrat in Iowa's congressional delegation, to to walk away from that seat. Um, despite the early polling showing a majority of Iowans say that they don't want either uh, Senator Chuck Rassley or Governor Kim Reynolds to run for re-election in, in 2022. Aaron, um, you mentioned a number of names of other people who might be considering this race, or be considered for this race, one of these races. Um, does any of this make uh, sense, or is this sort of the typical off your chat or sort of a politically equivalent? ESPN's mock draft. <laughs> I, I think I think it'll. I think this will ultimately bear out to be kind of a normal cycle. And look, we we get here and, and it, as political reporters, we're looking ahead to the next election and we start throwing out names. So I'm sure we'll be right about some and wrong about others. And then there will be others that we're not talking about that will come up whether from the, you know, the private sector or uh, maybe more local government or even the state legislature. Um, so, you know, the names I, I highlighted are, are kind of the names that everybody's talking about now because they're the most obvious ones. Those folks may or may not make that jump. And, and, and as I said, I'm sure we'll eventually hear of, of others who, who aren't on our radar, kind of like a, a draft. <laughs> Us Packers fans are talking about a you know a, a, a nice uh, a cornerback and or wide receiver, and they'll probably draft a. <laughs> Maybe we need a, a combine for uh, potential <laughs> uh, political candidates. <laughs> but um, regardless of what Axney does, uh, who do the Republicans have in the third district to either challenge her or run for an open seat? Yeah, so there's two names that jump straight to mind just based on recent history, and and that's uh, David Young, obviously, um, who's held that seat and, and was defeated by Axney, uh, and then ran against her again in a rematch, and, and so he he could decide to run again. That certainly wouldn't surprise anybody. Um, and another one is is Zach Nunn, who um, kind of toyed with a run last cycle, a exploratory committee thing, and ultimately decided not to running the Republican primary. He's a, he's a state senator uh, from just east of Des Moines here, <clears throat> a, a National Guard member. So uh, he, he's one that folks will, will be looking at. Uh, um, those are two names that jump right off the page. Uh, one that we know won't just because he just answered our question on uh, Iowa Press last week is, is Jack Whitford, the Senate Majority Leader. Um, we asked what his plans were for re-election. Um, he kind of has to make that as majority leader, 
not only fundraising for himself, but Republican Senate caucus. Um, he has to make that decision a little sooner than others. One name off that list, anyways. <laughs> Todd, uh, as I mentioned, Emily's list has already weighed in on the 2022 races, uh, putting Grassley and, and Kim Reynolds on notice. So with resources like that at her disposal, does that make the decision easier for Cindy Axney to jump into one of those races? Well, it always helps. I mean, I think probably another, <clears throat> excuse me, another cal- you know, part of her calc and whether that happens in time to apply it to, uh, I think, I mean, I think she should probably concentrate house seat. Uh, and so I think, you know, I think there'll be some pre- national leaders. Uh, I also don't think that I'm running for governor for idea, the sort of Republican mess, you know, thrown at, even, even with resources. Cause um, yeah, redistricting running from coming. I mean, if, if her district gets. Yeah. It, it's possible that district could get much better for her if, you know, if she picks up like story County or, and uh, you know, maybe it loses some of those rural counties in Southwest Iowa, it could become a better district for Cindy Axney. And, and I guess, you know, maybe another consideration is that uh, Emily's list, track record in Iowa, uh, you know, backing Congresswomen Monica Vernon and Abby Finkenauer and Senators Patty Judge and Teresa Greenfield uh, might weigh on Cindy Axney's mind as well. (laughs) Speaking of elections, Aaron sat down with Secretary of State Paul Pate this week to talk about elections, uh, the second district recount in particular, and the recently passed election integrity slash voter suppression bill uh, approved by the state legislature. Aaron, uh, he didn't seem particularly vocal during the debate on the the elections bill. Of course, with everything being done virtually, I might have missed something. Uh, what What's his take on the bill? Does he like it? Was it needed? Does it fix his concerns? Um, so he didn't go so far as to say uh, that it was necessary. Um, he so so the Secretary of State sometimes proposes his own um, elections legislation. This one was a case of this was purely from the state lawmakers. Um, so so he wasn't involved in designing it. And, and what he and he has said this in the past often is um, you know when when the legislature uh, passes a bill like that, it, it's it's his job execute elections based on how that new law job to get in there and um, advocate for this or that, that that's how Paul Payton views. It. And that's, that's kind of the view he took for this. So he didn't necessarily give it a thumbs up or thumbs down. What he, what he did say though, was he, he, he did push back at um, arguments that the critics have made about what impact that bill could have um, and, and concerns the um, different elements like reducing the early voting period and uh, kind of putting some constraints on um, satellite locations and Dropbox. Uh, I asked him if he had any concern that that'll make it harder for voters or impact turnout in a negative way. And, and he said that he believes it will not and that his office can still conduct elections and, and uh, give them every to get their vote, uh, get out and vote. And, and I, I am not going to be cynical here and say that he <laughs> was saying all those nice things to avoid a Republican primary challenge in the next election. I, I will not sit here. <laughs> That's very magnanimous of you. <laughs> did, did he, 
did Payne express any concern about the sort of backlash that we've seen in Georgia um, from businesses, for example, um, you know, that, I don't know, Major League Baseball, I just can't pull a game out of Iowa, but uh, those sorts of, uh, you know, steps by businesses uh, that have been very critical of the Georgia election changes. Yeah, he he didn't mention anything about that. And, and to be fair, I didn't ask him about that specifically. Um, he did say that um, he understands that um, Republicans had some concerns coming out of the 2020 elections. And so he wasn't surprised that this bill came to his desk. Um, kind of like I, he figured it was coming. Um, uh but no, yeah, he didn't. He didn't address the pushback, and 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 to your point, you know, we haven't seen that in Iowa yet. In ways, um, apparently, think Iowa's was as bad as what uh, Georgia's, uh, so we haven't had that threat yet here. Todd, uh, Paul Pate is raising money like he's running for re-election of uh, in twenty twenty two. Should we expect a annual election integrity bill <laughs> for? Uh, I guess the next. What, six years? <laughs> yeah, well, I, I think next legislative reduce voting to one hour with a J that are home to a state university. Something like that. Because, you know, you can't you can't trust the conduct elections. No. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it, as long as there are, as long as the possibility still exists, and also, you know, it's a national movement, which everything... Too much of our politics is now nationalized, and really, this elections bill in Iowa is and got stolen. And yeah, I mean, I think as long as you know, especially absentee voting, because if if the trend continues, the vote are more. You know. um, Aaron Paul Pate also talked about the second district contest between Democrat Rita Hart and Republican Marionette Miller Meeks, um, which has now been settled. Um, what are his thoughts on that recount process um, that dragged on for several months? Yeah. So, and, and before I forget, I should do the shameless plug here for a full interview this weekend. Um, so he, he kind of, we talked about this in two ways, what has already happened and what is needs to yet to, is yet to come. Um, and he maintained, and, and he said this throughout the process, he was, um, like a lot of other Iowa Republicans, very vocal in his criticism of the hard campaign for choosing to go instead of through the Iowa courts. And, and he maintained that. And, and um, um, I, I even asked him about the hard campaign's assertion that, well, Iowa law didn't, doesn't give them the ability to challenge the results the way they wanted to and, and what his reaction was to that, um, and so that one I'll leave the nut as the carrot to get folks to go read uh, the story. Um, but to your question about, um, oh, oh, you big should, should, Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Got to drive up those clicks. Um, yeah. to, to your question about, uh, does he expect the legislature to act? He, it sounds like he will propose something himself, although that probably will come next year. Um, which and we still have, you know, next year's session will be there's time for that. So it sounds like he, he, he essentially said, you know, well, and we do that normally anyways, after an election, we go through what happened, what went well, what didn't um, and, and 
and sometimes come back with um, proposed rules changes or maybe legislative changes. Sometimes it's a big deal. Sometimes it's more minor. So he said he planned to do that uh, next year. Um, he didn't give any indication of whether he still expects something uh, coming this session, uh, which is winding down now, um, whether lawmakers, uh, now that that whole thing is settled, as you noted, are they going to uh, write up something that would address some of those issues? Uh, Zach Walls talked about Democrats, so Republicans have any plans. Uh, yet Pat Grassley didn't sound like anything was imminent um, on his table when he was asked about it. Um, so it may be it may be next year before we see uh, anything proposed that addresses directly those issues that were raised during the second district. Tom, I know I know you're on the edge of your seat, just j- waiting for a chance to jump in here and talk about the second district <laughs> again. <laughs> and as Aaron mentioned, uh, Zach Walls talked about he was hoping for a bipartisan approach to you know some sort of resolution on this. And Pat Grassley said yesterday that he thinks it might be addressed in a Senate bill sort of the technical elections bill that they do almost every year. Um, what's your take on this? Is there any consensus of how this process should be improved? Uh, there is some consensus. There's consensus that there needs to be a uniform standard in the process from county to county. Right now, Iowa law provides broad discretion to recount boards to decide the mechanics of a recount. Some counties did complete hand recounts, some did uh, complete machine recounts, and some, including Scott County, did a hybrid version of both. The inconsistency of recounting methods across the district raised questions of fairness to voters and the candidates. But again, the general consensus from both Democrats and Republicans is that a recount through an entire district should be recounted by the same method. Um, Iowa County auditors have suggested the candidate requesting the recount specify uh, the method of the recount. Um, other issues that have been raised uh, by Hardin Democrats about the process are a little murkier in terms of whether there may be consensus, such as increasing the size of recount boards to speed up the process, particularly in counties uh, with large populations. Um, also, a little bit murkier is whether their consensus is um, possibly changing the timelines provided in court for completing uh, a recount and challenging the results in Iowa court. Aaron talked about this, um, but you know the, the latter was a primary reason for why Hart challenged the results before the U.S. House and didn't go through Iowa courts, arguing that Iowa statute does not offer enough uh, time for sufficient appeal process providing roughly a week for a panel of judges to hear the case, establish rules of evidence, and potentially recount the entire district. Um, Iowa County auditors as well as well have recommended the number of recount boards be determined by the amount of ballots to be recounted in each county. So depending on the population of the county, the size of the recount board would consist of either three, six, or nine members. Um, currently, Iowa law provides for a three-member board with one representative uh, for each campaign and a neutral third member. Um, the auditors have suggested that there still be an equal number of neutral members and representatives from the campaigns. Um, the association, too, recommends allowing auditors to order an administrative audit uh, due to counting errors after the conclusion of uh, the canvas of votes in the precinct, which was an issue that um, we saw in that second district recount. Uh, State Senator Robbie Smith, a Davenport Republican who chairs the Iowa Senate State Government Committee responsible for advancing such bills, 
uh, said that there won't be legislation on it this session, that it's too late in the session um, for such a bill to, to get passed. Um, but he did say that the committee and lawmakers will assess possible changes to Iowa's recount provisions between now and the start of next session in January, uh, but he couldn't guarantee anything would be done. Um, he did say there needs to be a uniform standard, uh, so all counties in Iowa have the same recount process. But again, what that process is remains unclear. Um, as for whether Republicans, you know, who control the legislature, will address the the timeline issue in Iowa Code for completing a recount, he said lawmakers have not mentioned anything specific on that front. But we'll take a look at the whole picture. Um, he did say he was confident there would be some type of legislation passed to address the whole recount issue. Um, next session before the 2020 election. But again, couldn't say to what extent that legislation would be right now. I'm just happy that Robbie Smith is still talking to you, Tom. I mean, I, you know, you're one of the privileged few reporters, I guess. <laughs> I, 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 I was fortunate that I was able to catch him last week at uh, Joni Ernst's stop in Bettendorf. So I kind of, I was able to get him on the spot, whereas he, you know, instead of calling him and him just not returning phone calls. There you go. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I hope he knew that he. I hope he knew that he was on the record. I think yeah. that's, that's always the that's always the problem. Oh, Robbie. All right. Well, moving on to more important things. It's the war on meat. Uh, Governor Kim Reynolds. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need a recount on this one. <laughs> Governor Kim Reynolds has declared April Meat on the Table Month to protect Iowa meat producers from a war on meat. This week, Joni. Ernst enlisted in the cause. She proposed legislation to prohibit federal agencies from enacting bans on serving meat for federal employees. <laughs> it was a first strike, I guess, because even Ernst conceded there's no proposal to ban meat in federal cafeterias. <laughs> she pointed to a 2020, 2012 newsletter circulated within the USDA suggesting participation in Meatless Mondays to help reduce meat consumption. Of course, veterans of Meat War One will recall that USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack had to call the leader of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association to assure livestock producers the federal agency would not be promoting meatless Mondays. And of course, he's back at the helm of the USDA again, so um, probably probably not likely <laughs> to uh, promote meatless Mondays uh, now. Todd, uh, as master of the grill, are you taking up tongs and spatulas, stocking up on coal and uh, lighter fluid, so you're prepared to do your part to protect meat from the imagined threat of an assault on red meat consumption? Well, I tell you, I think the biggest impact it's going to have is I'm going to take newspaper and I'm going to use it to light my charcoal chimney. And the smoke that rises will be just as substantive <laughs> as the claims that there is a war on meat. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I watch TV, a lot of old people, and, uh, and you know, if you've seen the ads from, like, your various national chains that serve hamburgers, I mean, you got these, you know, six patties with five onion rings and 14 pieces of cheese. I, I think the war is, I think the meat has declared war on us, not the other way around. That's, that's it. That's such a great point. That, that that reminds me exactly of how I feel about the war on Christmas. Every year I hear about the war on Christmas. And then I go out to Target and it's playing it's been playing Christmas music since Halloween and, and every 
If the war on Christmas and the war on meat get together, it's, I mean, <laughs> who knows what could happen? We'll, we'll be sitting in sparse rooms eating tofu on the solstice. I mean, it's, you know, we're, we're all, it's, it's all over then. So. Uh, so Tom and Aaron, are, are you going to be like eating meat twice a day on Mondays just to, to show your patriotism? Uh, you're assuming that I don't do that already. <laughs> I've got a turducken in the oven right now. So that's, that's how committed people, I am. Three people times. call it an abomination. I call it delicious. <laughs> Jim, I think it was you with an email uh, exchange here. It said, what about the war on soybeans, right? Or was that right? Well, yeah, I mean... You know, is that next Soyless Saturdays or something? You know, yeah. I just I, I do kind of wonder if uh, Ernst and Reynolds are aware of the long Catholic tradition of meatless Fridays. Um, I, yeah. you know, growing growing up, uh, yeah. you know, not eating meat on Fridays, I didn't really understand what the sacrifice was because uh, actually there were plenty of times we didn't have meat. And besides, I kind of enjoyed my mom's tuna noodle casserole, especially when she put the crushed potato chips on top. Well, and, and we we really should buy some Gulf shrimp to help out the shrimpers that were, you know, because of all the, the, the you know, the dead zone that we make with our nitrates. Yeah, we owe it to them. Yeah, throw, them a, throw them a bone. But yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe you know, Meatless Friday, Meatless Monday, maybe it's the alliteration that makes them mad. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Tofu Tuesday. Yeah, there you go. Ooh, them's fighting words. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, that's it for this edition of On Iowa Politics. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you did, tell a friend and subscribe to us wherever you find your podcast. Send your fan mail to podcast at thegazette.com. You can find us on the homepages of the Quad City Times, Sioux City Tribune, Waterloo, Cedar Falls Courier, and the Cedar Rapids Gazette. Kelly Carter Cooper will take us out. And a musician who should be on our show, set us a sound file, and subscribe to On Iowa Politics. For Tom, Aaron, Todd, and our producer, Stephen, I'm James Lynch. Thanks for listening. Stay well.